to a decent level. That's what the fun. hell's happening to these goddamn microphones? It's Mercury. Mercury is in retrograde, and apparently that fucks with like technology, and also my whole life. It's really fucking with my technology, my yeah. emotional technology, and the physical technology. Same. I don't know what the fuck emotional technology is, but your brain, man. Ah, dude. Whoa. Hello, everyone, and welcome <laughs> back. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Welcome back to Fast Pass, the history podcast in close to 30 minutes or less. Thank you all for tuning in again. As always, I'm Megan. I'm Jason. And today we're talking about the Maji Maji Rebellion. Huh? The, the who? <laughs> the what? More like it. Uh, I remember very vaguely learning about this in world history in high school. Okay. It was such an interesting battle that it literally stuck with me until now, and I never did any other research on the topic until making this episode, so... Just another little dig that we need more comprehensive history classes in the United States, okay? True. And yes, I am, not probably, I'm going to butcher some of these names, but I did look up pronunciations. I really am trying, but I can't even speak English. Yeah, uh, that's that's been shown in a few episodes. Just then again, like, same here. I'm really good at fracking up names. Yeah, but you say with conviction, which makes me feel like, wow, that's totally right. Yeah, you just got to be confident in how wrong you are. And then people will think, oh, that sounds right. And people will be like, oh, yeah, this guy's, like, really smart and stuff. But he's just not the brightest tool in the fork drawer. (laughs) (laughs) So we started this podcast to talk about lesser-known history. And today we are fulfilling that promise to you guys, to all of our listeners out there. Heckin' yeah. We may not keep the promise of 30 minutes or less, but we're keeping this promise today. Yeah. So just like with our Rwandan genocide episode, this one starts out because of uh, German imperialism. Yay, imperialism. It always circles back. The Maji Maji Rebellion, sometimes called the Maji Maji Uprising, was one of the most, quote, dramatic and catastrophic anti-colonial uprisings in early colonial Africa, unquote. Now, when I learned about this in high school, that wasn't how it was introduced. It was taught as a small battle and almost comically... Jay, mm-hmm. you were in that class with me. You, you remember? Yep. Yeah. Uh, it was like a. I just thought it was funny because Maji Maji. I'm thinking, oh, it's the Mahi Mahi Rebellion. There's a bunch of people, something something fish, like the Mahi Tuna, and like I feel starting like, fights and shit. Imagine like a fish fight. Fish fight. Fish fight. But I feel like when we learned this, we learned it from the colonial perspective of like the Germans and not necessarily the like people who like fucking lived there. Yeah, because I feel like um, an uprising is a bit less funny if you look at it from that perspective. Yeah. Now, this rebellion took place because of, obviously, imperialism and colonialism. Just like with Rwanda, Germany held uh, colonial power in this region of Africa as well. Germany was one of the major colonizers of Africa, and they were known to be brutal to the people who lived there. This rebellion happened out of hatred for German exploitation of Africans, as well as hatred of European rule. Big mood. Same. This was the final attempt to destroy colonial rule by force. It started in the stateless people of South Tanganyika, uh, the Matumbi, and soon spread to the Southern Highlands. Mm-hmm. The stateless people were hit hardest by German rule and their obsession with cotton. Now, in 1903, the colony's economy was not doing the best, so the government required people to have these cotton plots and work on them for free by communal labor. So the Germans literally just want them to pick cotton for free. Yeah, there was, like, no money if somehow they ever got anything. It was So at this pins. point, it's no longer, like, colonialism, and it's no longer just, like, imperialism. <laughs> this is straight-up slavery. Yeah. 
Wow, I would never assume white people from Europe would enslave people from Africa. And make them pick cotton. Hmm. <laughs> I Where wonder I how America was inspired. <laughs> Wait <laughs> a minute, this after. is... This is after. They were inspired by America. Well, oh, God, no. We're known for one thing. Um, God damn it, Germany. So this was, this was it for them. By 1904, they were done with Germans, and they wanted them gone. Now, the Matombi, who were the stateless people, they weren't big fighters. Typically, they would only fight back if they were attacked. So this rebellion began the only way they knew how to, which was uprooting cotton that the Germans wanted. So mm. it was a more peaceful uprising, but still pretty badass. Um, but they also needed other tribes in the area to back them if this rebellion was ever going to be successful. I mean, like, one plot yeah. of cotton is one plot of cotton, but if it's, like, 50 plots of cotton, it's 50 plots of cotton. Oh, these people don't like me? Well, good thing I have a bunch of other people that are under my thumb so I can abuse their relationship and just get rid of these people. But it turns out that, no, everyone's pretty much on the same page. Like, no, 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 we hate these people. F forget them. Same. Uh, luckily, there was a prophet named, and I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher this, Kinjikatal Kin Nuwali. Uh, he was there to unite the people. He was possessed by Hongo, which was a spirit subordinate to another spirit called Bokero, who was basically the Jesus of that area. So this guy built a hut, which was huge, and he said in that hut he com could communicate with ancestors. It was from the ancestors that came Maji, or literally, the water. Mm -hmm. This is where the rebellion got its name. The water was super important. Now, he distributed this water, calling it medicine, that was supposed to protect men from European bullets. The Water Water Rebellion? The Water Water Rebellion. I guess because, well, I mean, we'll get into it later, but... Yeah. Yeah. Now, the Bokero cult, uh, of which Hongo is from, and who possessed Kinjikatal... It was exactly what the people needed to inspire a rebellion. It took from local beliefs of divinity, possession, medicine, and mixed them all up into this dynamic leadership, promising unity and protection. Okay. So he distributed this medicine to mass amounts of people who came from all over to get this magic water. They wait. They all waited on him to give the command to start the rebellion, right? Now, so it's literally this dude giving out holy water. Yeah, no, essentially, it's, it's essentially holy water. But people really believed in it, man. So, good for him. Well, we still believe it to this day with uh, Christianity and their holy water. Oof. Or is that Catholicism? Or is that I both? I think it's both. Oh, All right. Hit the pop Thanks, open. Jesus and holy water. So, in 1904, command passed on to local leaders, and they made Nagarambe uh, as this meeting point. By 1905, though, people were starting to get impatient. They were itching for war, and this guy had been giving out magic water for a whole year and been doing nothing about it. Mm -hmm. So the rebellion began not on the command of Kinjikatal, but when the head of Nanditi ordered men to carry his tax chest to Kilwa. Now, I don't know why this was the breaking point necessarily, but it was. And after that happened, they just started uprooting Khan left and right. Oh, I think I understand. Yeah. They're being taxed on nothing. They're collecting oh. taxes, but at the same time, they're making them do it for free. So it's like, we're still collecting money from you, but we're not paying you. But you have no income. In you which have to... no income. Mm. So they're just taking, they're just straight up charging them money for the privilege of working for free. For Germany. For G God damn. Cool. So they were like, fuck that shit. And they started uprooting cotton. Now the Germans sent people to investigate this and then fighting broke out. 
On July 30th, 1905, the stateless people and the other clans from the southern part, the southern highlands, started attacking the center of German influence. Hmm. They attacked a town called Somongon, which was located on the coast. They wore dark uh, cloth with millet stalks strung around their foreheads. They walked into Samungun and uprooted the cotton and then burned an Asian trading settlement before running away to the mountains. Now, this attack is really what alerted the Germans to a possible uprising. Mm-hmm. So the Germans, in response, sent 200 people to Kilwa, assuming it was only the stateless uh, Matombi that were responsible for what happened. Mm-hmm. Yet... The person they sent was quickly ambushed by rebels with a, quote, unusual morale. Yeah, because I think morale would be generally low if you're taxing them on nothing and forcing them to work for free. So anything above extremely depressed would be unusual morale. And the fact that these weren't people that typically fought. Yeah, I'm pretty sure any morale would be unusual. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is where things kind of go awry. They had two good pushes and now... Everything goes wrong. On August 4th, the guy who started it all, Kinjikatal, he was hanged, oh. uh, but he claimed... Now, I don't even know why he was hanged, because there's like two books on the Maji Maji Rebellion, and this one didn't go into a lot of detail on it, but he, before he was hanged, claimed that his medicine had already reached very far where it was supposed to. You might kill me, but you won't kill my dream. <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess the Germans could have hanged him. I, mean, I don't know. I guess it's because I don't know he was seen it. as like um, a religious leader. Or people were looking to him more, like, too much. Mm. So it's like, if we just cut him off from, they'll be, they won't be able to access their religion, or they won't be able to have a new leader, and that'll hopefully kill the morale, was the goal? Yeah, so uh, who killed Kinjigatal? The Germans. Probably. Now, when news of war broke out, the Nindo people allied themselves with the stateless Matombi because they were also stateless, therefore they hated the fucking government. Same. Same. <laughs> okay, now here's where the actual war bit comes into play. There were two main areas of conflict. Lawali and Madaba. Madaba? Madaba. Madaba. On August 13th, the Nindo attacked Lawali from three directions. They shot burning arrows that set the thatched roof on fire and killed everyone inside. Hey. Casual. Progress. The next day, the Nindo force came upon some benedictine missionaries um they shot them before they could explain that they were peaceful people but to be honest if we know anything about imperialism and missionaries they were not always harmless they like to say that they are but not all the time are they actually harmless so plus they have really terrible uh frame of reference with the germans white people pretty much telling them what to do and forcing them to pay them back and then these missionaries and then these missionaries just roll up White people. So, white people, probably going to tell them what to do, but religiously. So, yeah, no, I would, I would definitely, I see where they come from. Yeah. So, after they killed the missionaries, another leader ambushed German troops from the coast, and the Germans retreated. So far, not a bad start to the war effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the next three months, power lay in Unhido. Maji was elaborately taught through people who claimed to have the spiritual possessions um, and through the introduction of some Islamic practices. So they were mixing religions at this point, which is pretty cool. Now, while this was happening, news spread further north about the rebellion to another group of stateless people who were also upset about the cotton growing thing. 
not getting paid to do work and all that stuff. So they were brought the Maji. And by the end of August 1905, most of the southern half was involved in the rebellion and armed with Maji. So you got pretty much the southern half of a country fighting up, like, against the Germans because they received water. water. But, like, think of how inspirational this, like, the guy who got hanged must have been for yeah. people to believe in this. Because not only did he get his own people, he also got a bunch Everyone of the else. other people's to to join in on this. Yeah. And there must have been, like, probably some language barrier between them. Yes. And there was de- and since there's some, uh, uh, like you said, the Islamic people, the, the religious difference. Mm-hmm. And you got the... Uh, Islamic believing people to also follow the Maji. That's a lot of uh, charisma this guy, this guy must have had. Yeah. One person is quoted saying, this is not war. We shall not die. We shall only kill. Because they truly believed the Maji. Yeah. Uh, quote, they took part in the uprising with the full belief that the Maji could liquefy German bullets. So imagine you douse yourself in water. You're going into fight and you're like, a bullet will literally just turn to water on my skin because of this water. Like, that's fucking powerful. So I'm going to get hit by this thing, but it's not going to kill me. Exactly. It's just going to splash off. Splashity splash. Splash. Now, each clan head who accepted the Maji was known as the Hongo. If you remember before, the guy who was hanged, he was also called Hongo. And this is where the language barriers start to shift the meaning of these words. Mm. So now Hongo means people who carry the Maji and distribute it to other men. So this was the first indication, though, that things were not working out exactly as they were supposed to because they saw a Hongo die. He drank the Maji. He was supposed to be protected, but he wasn't. Now, the Maji failed the rebellion once again at Misasi, where they met resistance. Several leading rebels were shot before they could even withdraw. 27 people died in total, people who had drunk the medicine. Now, even though it was starting to show that the water was not actually medicine and not actually magic, more people were still getting inspired by Maji and the rebellion and still joining in. It's so like at that a point, it's less effect. about the Maji and it's, le- it's less about the Maji medicine and more about the, the people. Yes. And uh, the, the cause that they're fighting for. Exactly. Hmm. On the morning of August 30th, that's when everything really went to shit. Rebel forces from southern Mihenge uh, converged, one from the east and one from the south. Both forces were led by their Hongo. They stood there assured that they would not be harmed. Now I'm going to quote something from a diary from one of the Germans. Quote, Two machine guns, Europeans and soldiers, rained death and destruction among the ranks of the advancing enemy. Although we say the ranks thin, the survivors maintained order for about a quarter of an hour, marching closer amidst a hail of bullets. But then the ranks broke apart, and they took cover behind numerous small rocks. Now and again, a group rushed out onto the road, lifted a fallen, and quickly fled back behind the rocks. Scurrying rock to rock, they made their retreat. Then, suddenly, a cry rang out. New enemy on the eastern side. Everyone looked in the direction, and then a second column of at least 1,200 men was advancing toward us. Fire was opened upon them immediately. The enemy sought to reach Mihenge uh, village at the double. They were there. They were hoping to be hidden by houses and storm up the small roads toward the Buma. As soon as they reached within range, though, they were met with deafening fire. 
the first attackers were only three paces from the firing line when they sank to the ground, struck by deadly bullets. Those behind them lost courage, turned, and scattered. When no more enemy could be seen, the station commander climbed down from the top of the Boma Tower and distributed champagne. Damn. Like, imagine being one of these people, like, fully fucking believing in Maji and watching people just get mowed the fuck down. You just watched all of the people that you were going to fight with just get massacred. And this was the specific battle that we were taught during history class. I remember it was this mm-hmm. one. And, like, yeah, like I said, this could be funny if you take it from a colonist's perspective in the darkest way possible. Oh, these people drank water, so they immediately think that bullets can't touch them. And... It's like a really dark humor kind of thing. Really fucked up, yeah. It's really fucked up because you have all of these people fighting for something they believe in against colonial, like colonialism, imperialism, and just being taxed to death. And the only way to get out of it is fighting. And there's no fighting chance. Yeah, because they're, they're not fighting with guns. They're fighting with arrows. They're fighting with arrows against machine guns machine guns that was yeah it's clearly not like a a level playing field yeah and not only did this battle kill people but it made them question their religion Mm -hmm. colonialism is really fucking stupid it really fucked up a lot of people and a lot of things um by the end of august it was pretty clear to everyone that the rebellion had failed the way it was intended to go with the Maji. Mm -hmm. the Maji rebellion began as a movement against colonists by hostile quote hostile rural people who were stateless, did not believe in the government, and were hostile toward the government, but who also did not understand war. That changed when the rebellion reached the Southern Highlands, which it did pretty quickly, if you remember from the beginning. Mm -hmm. That's where the warfare was familiar, so everything changed. When Maji reached the Southern Highlands, it was no longer a weapon against the Germans, but rather a catalyst for social upheaval, Mm. which you mentioned before, pretty much. Yeah. Now, this rebellion went on for longer after they realized that Maji was no longer magic because, as I stated, it was only a catalyst for some. So the realization that Maji wasn't exactly magic uh, happened near the end of 1905, but the rebellion continued for two more years after. Now, not to sound redundant, I'm going to skip some things, but basically they were still distributing Maji, fighting, and dying. For two years. For two years after the first big mowdown of people. Yeah. Now, um... More people got involved in the rebellion because they hear about it and they're like, yeah, fuck colonizers. But it was just a lot of the same thing. Germans would catch chiefs and hang them. They would take back territory. The rebellion was obviously failing, but they weren't going down without a fight. Some people ended up surrendering because of exhaustion, hunger, and despair. Others lost their strongholds and were not able to keep up. Famine also covered the land and killed several as Germans would just burn down crops. Like a slash and burn if they can't fight, if they can't eat, you know? Yeah. So uh, that is pretty much the rebellion. That's part I'm going to talk about. Like I said, there's so much more to it. And I would totally recommend reading a book if you want to. But that's the bit that I wanted to touch on. When the Maji ended, I feel like that's when the rebellion ended pretty much. Yeah, as soon as like, oh yeah, Maji is fake. This is just water. It's not actually medicine that's going to liquefy bullets. The war should have been over. But they were fighting for something they believed in. And I I can respect that. No longer the Maji. Yeah. Um, now, one of the main parts of the Maji Maji Rebellion was constant attacks on missionaries. Like I mentioned the first time they killed those Benedictine ones. Mm-hmm. They um, they really thought these people were the same as German colonizers. So they killed people without remorse. 
There are some specific battles in which this differs, but scholars generally follow this narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, as I mentioned before, the war dragged on. Maji played a less important role. Sometimes they weren't even used in battles, like in the War of Khorasani. Okay. Now, it's possible this battle, they didn't use it in this battle because they didn't get the medicine beforehand. But regardless, they didn't even use it in the battle. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it was no longer about the Maji. It was about, like, fuck German colonizers. Yeah. Um, and after the war, there was a change in faith. I mentioned before that they started bringing in Islamic uh, elements. Mm-hmm. Well, Islam was adopted more, and there was an abandonment of, quote, unquote, witchcraft. Therefore, the Maji Maji Rebellion was not only a catalyst for social upheaval, but a catalyst for religious change as well. Yeah. Now like this big difference. Yeah. Now, this battle slash rebellion slash uprising hurt the civilians that were not involved particularly hard. The Germans didn't care who they hurt, obviously, when they were burning down crops and spread famine. Um, and those who weren't involved in the war often had to migrate away from the fighting just to survive. Now, the food shortages had an adverse effect, too. Animals rely on the food they're burning, and they will move away to get it. Now, bigger hunters like lions, if they don't have, like, a gazelle there, they'll look for other things to fill that void. Which ended, ended up, up being, being people. People. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, the lions would go and find, like, poorly made huts because, obviously, they're in war. There's not a lot of material. Yeah. And they would kill those humans for food because their food source was no longer there. So, what you're saying is German imperialism back in, like, the 1900s mm-hmm. is scaring off uh, other naturally grazing animals mm-hmm. is the reason that today we have issues with lions eating people. Probably. I mean, I don't know if that's the sole reason, but in that area, yeah. It, it definitely doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt, yeah. When, it doesn't do them any justice. When you don't have their food source, they're going to look for something else. I mean, it's human nature and yeah. it's animal nature. And lions end up spending like a majority of the day doing nothing anyways. So they're lazy. Especially I mean. male lions. They do fuck all. So they just wait for the the actual uh, hunters, the, the women lions, to do all the work for them. So there's no way they're just going to up and move. Exactly. So... That was something negative that happened from this. Mm-hmm. And of course, as you could probably guess, the war had massive effects on the economic stability of the region that was already not doing well. And it sent it into a state of poverty that they were still trying to get out of after and before World War One. And uh, the rest is history there. Wow. A uh, really bright note to end it on. Finish, like, start with a little magical water go into a full-on massacre and end with uh lions and uh major state of poverty um i always get the uh the happy episodes if you will (laughs) look you're on like the spectrum you're on either end of the spectrum right here you're either getting like some really fun ridiculous episodes or like these really dark like really sad episodes. I think that's probably why another reason we don't learn about these in um, history class. Like there's because history is not all fun and games. History is not all fun and games. They try to like make, make it, it lighthearted and yeah. interesting. And it's like, but oh it's yeah, it's a good time. A lot of people not, died, but it's a good time. Yeah, it's not a good time. And like yeah. I said, I don't even know. Like our history teacher was, I guess, pretty open minded to teach us about this because, like, I would have never, never learned about this at all. Like, yeah. Shout out to our history teacher. Which one? Mr. Mazer. And Mr. Hilferty. Shout out to both of you. Much love. Both of you. But Mazer taught us this one. Yeah. True. True. Thank you. 
But yeah, it's just crazy. Very crazy. However, I do have a really exciting and fun episode coming up next month that I'm very excited to talk to you about. So please don't judge me and my episodes based on the sadness of them. Hey, you're going to the other side of the spectrum now. You're going back to happy instead of sad. Yay. Yay. So if you liked this episode, make sure to check us out on Twitter. We're at FastPast1. Make sure to email us for episode requests at fastpasspodcast at gmail.com. And if you ever want any of the sources, I only used two in this episode, you can still email us and we will give you the sources. You could either cite us or cite the sources directly for any papers. Direct sources. We got you. And, uh, well, thanks for uh, being here. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye.